You're listening to Future Theater Radio with Bill and Nancy Burns, right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. (laughs) Hi, everybody. It is May 4th. 2015, and we are your co-hosts, Bill, that's me, and Nancy Hello, Burns, and we are broadcasting on our radio show, Future Theater Live, from the banks of beautiful springtime, actually summery Primrose Creek in beautiful downtown Sulbury Village, on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio, with our wonderful producer, The Jackal Angel. Say hello, Jackal. Hello, Jackal. And Hello, audience, and Bill and Hello. Nancy, and How Keith, and Keith, and I, rock and, and roll, <laughs> Art Bell, seventy-seven days, seventy-seven counting. days. I'm he's, counting. He's okay. answered me back in more than one word on Facebook. I'm so happy. Is that uh, right? That's wonderful. I have to. Yes. I have to ask. It's I have awesome. to ask Art a question, uh, which I will ask you. I'll ask Keith. I'll ask Art. I well, want... a, a lot has happened since our last show. Wouldn't you agree? On the old Dark Matter Digital Network, yes, <laughs> PSN-Radio. Is PSN-Radio going to keep the dash? The dash is here to stay. Okay, so that's why I put the dash in my new enterprise. All right. In, 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 in Angel's Following Honor. Following along. There you go. appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. Because if I have to say PSN-Radio, I might as well say Bella-Haven. That's what I'm going to do. So there. So anyway, so... Um, I even have a bit of weird news, if not UFO news. I actually gathered up something so weird. All we do we is have, weird news, Nancy. Yeah, Let's we play. have to talk about it. <laughs> and our guest tonight is going to be, um, even in, in short order, having his own show, again on a different network, which I I can say with grace, IRN, because they are sort of pals. Um, but well, I so, think I've been unblocked from IRN finally. Really. Because I wanted well, the website to get in, I wasn't blocked. They had blocked me for a while when you know who was. Um, yeah, well, he's moved on. He's, he's moved. moved. He's moved. No, I, I know, I know. But when you yeah. know who before he fell asleep, let's just leave it at yeah. that. Yeah. Well, okay. the thing is, our guest is Eric Williams, and he is a psychiatrist, a real one. He's a psychologist, <coughs> not a psychiatrist, and he big is, difference, and he, very big difference, and he is a professor of psychology. Uh, in uh, Frederick, Maryland. So we're going to have some. Very, I, I think that's very confusing. I, I, I do know the difference, but I kind of don't care. I know it's important to um, you or anyone who's looking for in treatment. In the field of psychology. Right. But it is confusing, just like chiropractic, uh, chiropractic and what's the one that's like it? Like begins with Osteopathy. An yes. Osteopathy, I think, is a low rung of doctor, right? No, Not... osteopathy. Osteo, a, a doctor of osteopathy, a, a DO as opposed to an MD, takes more residency courses to uh-huh. get a DO. Yeah, you got to keep up. With and you could stuff. be a psychiatrist, you could be a surgeon, you could be a general practitioner, and still be a DO because it it is a more advanced degree than an MD. Although I'm sure the MDs that I know and John Liebert would would flog me for saying that. 
Well, to, well, tonight's weird tidbit, which I'll, I'll bring up as we get toward the end of our half hour, so, it, so we can kind of lead in with it, because I do have some leading questions that I've already talked to Eric about. But anyway, Eric's going to have his own show, and so we're his, we're the world's first real introduction to him. So, well, good, and we wish him really yeah. good luck on his yeah. show. So uh, he's never first, been on a radio show before, and he's going to start know. a radio show. I don't, I don't know, but we'll find out. But here's the thing. Well, he we teaches going, a class, so um, he's yeah. obviously on radio or. No, in, in person, live. Oh, okay. Well, well. But we're so kind and gentle that it will be a, will it'll be a breeze. And besides, I am. It, it, uh, Steve Warner was supposed to be on Bateman, and he, I, when I was just double checking with him last night, I did the thing you never should do. I, I said, sorry to take so long to get back to you. I hope we don't have to reschedule. And I said, shouldn't have said that because he. Just no, took you should me say hi, Steve. Looking forward to Monday yeah. night. Thanks a lot. We're so going to have a great conversation. Steve will be next week, but Eric was nice enough to allow us to push him up. Right. We simply switched Eric and Steve. But um, uh, first, okay, let's, uh, let me do a little bit of uh, sad news first. This comes from Emma Woods, uh, who wrote us and said that, um, sadly, David Jacobs' wife uh, has passed away. So um, officially, at least uh, from us, and if not from us, then from me, but from us, really, uh, and from all the folks at Dark Matter, we send uh, David Jacobs our deepest condolences and deepest sympathies, all differences aside, when your uh, life partner of 50 years passes away, you just um, give a person condolences, sorry for his loss, and um, it's going to be tough, but I hope that, um, you know, when the grieving stops that um as vice president <laughs> the can begin again no as as vice president joe biden said so eloquently we we hope for david for professor jacobs that at some point the memories of his wife this is quoting the vice president bring a smile to his lips um before they bring a tear to his eye that's nice that's nice that was joe biden mm-hmm Who's my choice for the next president, by the way, just in case yeah. anybody asks. Well, Vice President Joe Biden, really? I would love to see this guy in the Oval Office. Well, you know, you know, the, you know, we're coming into, for whatever reasons, kind of a, a, a woman's moment. Um, women's issues are the big theme of the ending of Mad Men. You know, last night's show, oh. devo- they devoted a big oh, chunk of it to the two, imp- two. Well, many of the women on the show, but basically, uh, well, it was Joan and Peggy, basically. Right, right. And basically, you know, watching that show, having actually been, gone through those eras, those were the eras when I was trying to get jobs. And yes, that must be really something for for. Well, you know, I was already working at that point. You were trying to get jobs at that point. Right. Well, the thing about it is. I, I come to see now I did have looks and I didn't want to use them because I, I wanted to be um, known for my hard work or for my talent or something, but not for my looks. And now I realize that was kind of, you know, perhaps stupid. Um, yeah. Well, what does it matter? I've always uh, used my looks to get ahead. Yeah. You should have done it. Yes, yes. We've seen that, Angel. Yes. Well, let's, let's kind of go back a little bit to all the things that have changed in this past week. This week has been rock and roll for radio people, and I consider all of us radio people. Do you know? And I certainly put myself in this pot because, um, okay. So 
during our show, Angel had the news that Keith had decided to quit the Art Bell Enterprise during our show and didn't uh, yeah, say anything. Yep. One week ago, yeah. So at yep. the end of the show, Keith told me and then, or I'm sorry, Angel told me and then Keith got on the line and, you know, basically started to, you know, this is it. And what, it was very sad for all of us. It really was. Well, yeah, because that's basically, if if not the end of it, it's kind of the end of it. No, we've had a, we've had a happy ending, and not in that well, sense. Yeah. Get your mind and, really good. And then just you know, um, just one week, you know, one week ago tomorrow night, Keith went on the Bell Gab after he and Art made up in the morning, and went on the Bell Gab and just cleaned up a lot of old business. And now the Enterprise is just stronger than ever. The Force is with the Enterprise, right? By the way, may the Fourth be with you. Right, there should be a proper geek response, don't you think? Oh, like, yes. oh happy, happy Cinco de Mayo, Angel. Tomorrow? Well, that's, that's tomorrow. Today that's tomorrow, is, and it's also not today, Cuba, it's also... Mexican, so I'm, yeah, I'm Cuban, that's right. Uh, no, right. but the 4th, May the 4th be I'm with you. I'm glad you explained that. This is a much, much better um, day, actually. The 4th is National Star Wars Celebration Day. Ah. Today is... All the Star Wars geeks today, this is the day we geek out and talk about Star Wars. There's a lot of news that have come out today, pictures for the new movies, uh, stuff like that. So today is Star well, Wars Day. Are you surprised that Harrison Ford is is in this next Star Wars movie? Not at all. He's How immortal. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. He, Are you kidding he me? He, he, crashed he, the, he, yeah, he crashes a plane, crashes a plane, walks away. I mean, that, that dude's immortal. Well, uh, Princess Leia has herself gotten herself laserized and changed a lot. Have you seen her her current pictures? Yeah, and I'm looking very good there. Uh, I, I just hope she's out of the bikini outfit from Return of the Jedi mm. at any time. Yeah, I don't, don't want to see that again. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking Actually, of which, speaking of which, I oh, so, so anyway, so everything's all melded together. But in the course of last Tuesday, um, I took the opportunity – while talking to having Keith's, uh, you know, attention for a little bit, because you don't, right, you know, Keith's right. busy. It's hard took, to do, yeah, it's hard to get the attention. Right. Yep. I, I took the opportunity to push an idea that I've been having, and Angel knows about it, and we've been kind of tossing it around, and this thing has to become a reality only because it's a show that has to exist, okay? It has to exist. Whether I do it, which I'm going to do, um, with Angel's help, thank you. Uh, although I'm producing, <laughs> no, but you're making the stream available, right? Well, yeah, that yeah. I think that's important, of and course. you'll do. You know, you'll you'll because I'm the reason so... I giggle there is uh, when you find out the the time that they're going to be on. You know. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Art Bell is going to come back. He's going to. It's called Midnight right. in the Desert. In the desert, and it's, right? It's a brilliant concept because here's what it is. It starts at midnight on the East Coast, but it ends at midnight the on desert. the West Coast. Right. Well, yeah. no, but it ends at midnight on the West Coast. So we're we're going to start a show. It's basically I'm calling it Bella Haven because it's where night owls will go after Art Bell to talk about Art Bell and everything that's Nebel related. Bell, Nebel, Long John Nebel, all the weird stuff. Basically, talk about whatever guest Art just had, whatever they talked about. Take you know, just let people talk. Let maybe the guest come back and right, talk, right, right, so forth. And and you're welcome, Angel, to be uh, on the show if you want. If you're too excited to sleep, especially <laughs> the first night. But I I've asked Lasha Senyuk to be my co-host, and she has graciously said she would do it. Uh huh. Cool. Yeah. So it's a female. So so. It's an all-female so, show, so it's just the two of you girls, and that's it. It is, but I'm going to ask that's other. That's cool. We're asking other 
um, female other hosts. Women, other women? There are lots of female hosts out there in the UFO yeah, field. So yeah. one by one, I'm hoping we can have them on kind of, you know, this is not something that I perhaps will want to do forever. Uh, <laughs> so we'll, we'll audition new people. But basically, if you want to learn more about it, um, this has only existed for a week. So I made a right. website. It's called BellaHaven.com. But here's the thing, BellaHaven.com. There's right, a dash a, between Bella yeah. and Haven because I wanted a .com and there was a Bella Haven Pizza Hut place in Brookhaven or someplace. Oh, nice. So I wanted it to say Bella because um, – long story. But basically I wanted to have a vague female slant only in that females don't – you don't hear our voices that much. And we are big listeners to Art Bell. We can just simply uh, go on and on about – it's a sexy kind of thing. You have to. See, only, yeah, yeah. For the for the modern audiences uh, listening in right now, you could kind of equate this to like the Talking Dead that comes out after the Walking Dead. Right, and and Keith was saying it's like the View. It's basically like the View after well, Art Bell. Kind of like the View, right? The View mixed in with the Talking Dead. Yeah, I mean, we'll have men on. Obviously, men will call in. Well, but, you're talking uh, about a guy, Art Bell. He's he's exactly. a man. Exactly. Yeah, but in case, see, here's the thing. And he's um, the man. That's right. And the thing about it is, you, so you're, everybody's laughing because I, I, I'm committing to do a show five days a week from three o'clock in the morning to five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> it's hysterical, really. It, I'll it, tell you what's. I'll tell you what's hysterical. Since you're actually marking down the music for uh, Midnight in the Desert, you're going to be doing a show on Monday night, starting at ten o'clock and ending <laughs> at five in the morning. But that's what uh, I do anyway. I sit at my computer here. But I mean, the thing about it is, I feel completely. Confident, it's I'm up anyway. Bill knows this. We we work. So Bill, do you sh- want do you want to take bets on how long this is going to last? Ah. boy, you oh know boy. what? We can yeah. go to Vegas with odds on this one. I think. No, I, I, I'll say this is uh, this is uh, uh, this is going to go on for a while. And the way Nancy works is that we've been in like a number of businesses together um, as partners. The way Nancy she works is that she'll grow a company. She'll grow an enterprise and then see another enterprise out of that and turn that enterprise over to somebody else once it's self-sustaining and move on to something else. Well, Lasha could certainly do this on her own. There's no doubt about it. But since I thought this up and sort of – I'm in the process right now of packaging it, that is putting a look and feel on it, bella dash. Haven.com, Bella-Haven.com. you know, in any event, we have to we have to hope Art Bell likes this. Um, if he hates it, he'll let us know. And if we have to call it something else, I suppose. But we don't want to be slavishly fangirls of Art Bell, although we are. Oh, but you do, yeah, of course. Because I, you know, you know, I thought about calling it Bella Gab, but I'm afraid of Bella or Bell Gab, so I don't want to go there and beg for the permission. So that's why I said last week, I'm just going to not ask for permission. I'm just going to. Do it and ask for forgiveness. Do you, do you right, think... you just do your own thing and then worry about it later. Yeah, but yeah. do you think they'll, they'll be mad if you actually do call it Belgab? Belgab? If you called it Belgab, sure, because when people, would, when people would kind of sit on our coattails at UFO Mag and just kind of copy us... Really, yeah, we would get really uh, angry at that, I, it, I have to say. It shows there were no... so many people, there were so many entities who, who literally just kind of got their little lunch hooks into the very bottom of the hem of our magazine and basically tried to scoot along. And um, we didn't like that. 
Do your own stuff. Well, it doesn't look, I mean, I, you know, I remember, like, I'd love to get Leslie to come on. She's a female voice I'd like to Leslie hear. Leslie would be great. Yeah, see, but I remember when this was all happening, and Leslie had a, a, a blog site called The Debris Field, which was a brilliant title. And basically, she was really understanding of why people who were calling it UFOMag.net and expecting us not to get mad, you know, she could understand it because she she had the the, the balls to uh, do something original, and I want so I therefore thought we we ought to probably be original. You should ask, you should ask Leslie. I'm going to ask Leslie already. Alfred said he I would mean, help. She, I mean, yeah. uh, Leslie is and is, Reagan. Is, Reagan, I think Reagan and would Reagan be great. Lee, but yeah. but Leslie is out on the West Coast. She's in um, New Mexico. Well, she's in Albuquerque. Right, so that would be – I think that's mountain time actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I mean, you know, there will be plenty of guys on the show and there w- it, it's going to be two hours of call-ins basically. And I will give the number. Um, actually, we have a number here, don't we? We should – oh, that reminds yeah, me. Yeah, we do. That's a sure bit – can I put the number – can I put the number on the website anytime? Yes, you can. Will it – Anytime. Because there's a cute little Skype button you can put on. I know. Which I found, which I thought I would do. Use it. It's a good – Okay, good. Can I put it on Future Theater? Yes, you can. But what happens if somebody calls the site when we're not uh, on the air? Angel well, has then, to get out of bed. Yeah, pretty much. <clears throat> it's happened before. Well, it's just it's so... A, it's not a pretty sight for in the morning. I mean, do they go I want to talk the... to Bill and Nancy. Yeah, yeah you know what? Yeah, into... Talk to them tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, but the best three, is, to, I... three to five, I'll be up. <laughs> you know what the... This is like a weird thing, but since we've been doing Skywatchers on Tuesday and Wednesdays, um, this is like a weird thing that keeps happening with that show. We get calls from listeners the day after the show or a couple of days after where they're like, yeah, you know, the show you guys just did a couple I of days ago. I know, that's what you said, yeah. And it keeps happening. It's like, dude, call when we're on the show, not like a day after the show. And they call like that's a right. weird time, so like at 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning. Yeah, the show you guys did last night, it was great. I'm like, why didn't you call through in the show? Yeah, well, that's, that's your call, right. man. Yeah, where the hell, you know, where are you in the show? Yeah, so? man. We're like smoking something, and now you're coming off of that high or something? What's going or on, save man? It, or save it until next Jesus. week, you know? Share yeah, is all I'm saying. It's because your voice is so fresh and real. People think it's Package live. It. It think, they, people think it's that's live it and happening, yeah. And so, so yeah, so bellahaven.com. With a By the way, spell it out. Is it one L or two L's on Bella? It's two L's, like an Art Bell. So it's B-E-L-L-A. Bella means girl or beautiful. And it's also, right, it doesn't right. mean girl, but it means beautiful. Well, in, in it's actually Bella, not Bella. It's Bella. Bella in Spanish. Yes. Bella in Bella. French. Well, Correct. it's definitely Bella in Italian. Yeah, it's Bella Bellissimo. in Italian. Bellissimo. Right? Bella notte. Bellissimo. This is the night. Bella Haven, and then Haven, because you need a place to talk. I mean, Art Bell would get people, including myself, so crazy. By the time the show was over, you know, when you hear that music, you just feel like, whoa, whoa, should I pack? (laughs) Should I hide under the bed? It would be so much fun to talk about it afterwards. You know what's funny? I think Keith just said it on the head here because he replied back to me about the uh, comment I just made about our callers on Skywatchers. He says, they're calling, uh, it's during the replay that makes ah. sense. Oh, yeah, that's what's happened. Of course. Yeah. I thought you knew that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. So how's I, Keith I doing? Think... Ask Keith how he's doing and ask <laughs> Keith why he won't come on our show now I that he's going on. Yeah, he's gone on the Bell Gap. Yeah, he's gone on Bell Gap. He should come on our show. You know, um, for, the, for the theme music for Bella Haven, mm-hmm. I think it should be Angel. I think you should write a, a rap lead in. 
No, you can't, guys. You can't. My daughter's, okay, my daughter's wife. There's no other way to put it. My daughter's wife. Um, And and Well, you could say spouse. Chicka chicka bella haven. Chicka chicka bella. Yeah, but she's a musician in Portland. She has a band and a rock group. I'm not sure of the type of music, but it's really in Portland, and she performs all the time. She said she. No, no. Lexi said she would make a bumper thing for us. Good. Okay, so we're gonna. It's going to have a female vibe. Is all I'm going to say. But talented, not just female. I have another daughter-in-law. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> Just realized that. Yeah. Cool. So anyway, so and and so you know, so it's all coming together beautifully. The vibe is right. Right. It, it, it's going to be a woman's year, no matter how you slice it, because finally the first woman is going to be running. It's a woman's for, world. Well, it is, but we don't want to see. That's why you want to close your ears. You're not going to want to listen to Bella Haven because no. we're going to talk about what women talk about too at the end of the day when they sit around the table. Or sit around nowadays, you know, the couches and have some wine and just sort of look at the day. So, so we're going to yeah. be drunk on air. I'll, I'll listen if that's the case. Yeah, we're going to probably. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, the thing is, yeah. I mean, we are going to be off the wall, off the charts the first week or so with Art Bell. I mean, the weekend's going to be weird. And then oh, yeah. it'll start up again. So, and if now, Art here's the kicker. Come, yeah. I wonder if Art will be uh, down to call in on the first show. Just to well, press in the show, you know? It would be cool. That would be great. That would be really yeah. nice if he did that. But that, but see, I want to get – how come Keith won't call in and talk to us? His voice is so warm and mellow. He needs to get yeah. like on a cell phone or something so he can call in because I know he can't do it you know, with the Skype. Right. He can't do it on Skype. What if we called right. him? What if we called him? Doesn't doesn't matter. It'll interrupt what he's recording. See, so I don't understand. Do okay, yeah, I kind of he's a, he's, a te- he's a technical guy. Like, he can get an, a, a, a cell phone and call in. Yeah, he can go in the bathroom and talk. Okay, talk, give, the, give the number. Give, give the number again. Seven eight six two four five eight one two seven. Okay, and the thing is, go. the thing is, he could he could go in the bathroom and close the door and talk, and then do bathroom conversation just like everybody hates. Yeah, and, and then do an anyway. impersonation <laughs> of Frankie Valley. Yeah. Or some of our guests on the show. The- well, the thing is, um, in the course of this, and in in. in Okay, I am tired, like everybody else is tired, of saying to Art Bell, oh, you could do the greatest stuff with just snippets. I am actually going to try to put my money where my mouth is, and that's this. I'm looking into what the laws are. And, of course, Keith, Keith knows them, sadly. He's memorized them. Um, if, if you can do – okay, Angel, tell us one more time the 30 seconds or less since it comes from you. <laughs> well, it, it's funny because nobody thought it was true until like he found it. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the the law is if you use only like 25, 30 seconds of little snippets of a song, it doesn't count as an actual complete archive. Uh, so technically you can use it without being in any kind of legal problems as long as you didn't use like multiple parts of the same song, which equates to like a minute long, you know, a clip. That's what I thought. That's what I or thought. And it, yeah. if you don't yeah. use it repeatedly, like the same song, you know, twice right. or same artist, same CDs. You know, it's it. You have to really have a good good diversity of the clips uh, playing, so you don't get into any kind of legal trouble. Right. And and, and see, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to take a typical future theater that you've uh, put together. Um, you know, where you give me the sound and I put it up, and I'm going to examine it very closely and just copy the length of all the things you do. Right. Right. And right, then insert right. either. I don't know whether, you know, but that's what I'm doing. And it's exciting. And I'm learning audacity. It's very nice. Very nice. Very nice. 
And now yeah, I can okay. okay so here's the thing, Angel. If you're on Bella Haven, then I'm the producer. <laughs> Look at me. I'm the producer now. <laughs> and, That's true. <laughs> oh boy. And you're the get you're the talent. And and Lash is the talent. So I can put all these stupid sound effects in, which I've been begun to collect, I must say. So it's gonna be exciting. See, she's, she's already like taking right after me with the sound effects. You saw that? Before? Yeah, you can't help I, it. Okay, I, so, I, I heard so... that. Luckily, okay, I'll get... be in bed at that point. We're getting. I, yeah, I'm gonna be in bed too, so I'll never get to hear it. Okay, well, we're getting toward the end. I want to. I want to tell you this amazing thing, which is 100 percent true. This is shocking. Okay. Shocking news, and I'm not making any of this up. Um, I can save it for tomorrow night if you were for Sky Watchers, but I'll I'll tell you it now. No, no, it's not no, really go ahead, not go really UFO. Go ahead, because you'll okay, save it tomorrow sure. night anyway. Yeah. yeah, sure. Okay. And Skywatchers is not tomorrow night. It's the day after tomorrow night. Day after, There yeah. you go. Yeah. We'll say it Wednesday tomorrow. night, too. Yeah. Day after tomorrow, like the movie that Art Bell inspired. Never mind. Go ahead. Day after Roswell. Day after tomorrow. You never seen that movie? Day after yeah, Roswell. So, so that was a good Day movie. after Roswell came first. Was a yeah, good yeah. book. Yeah, no, but the day after tomorrow is based on the upcoming That made more money. I know, I know. By I know. Art Bell. Mm-hmm. Just saying. I know my Art Bell history. Well, do you want to come on the show? Oh, you could do the segment. You can do the history segment. Because, we're, okay, Alfred had a great idea. What part of I'll um, be asleep at four in the morning? Well, here's the thing. Clear. We could actually pre record it, though. It, it goes That's like true. this. That's true. Yeah. Well, here's, you can talk what, in your sleep. I well, can do that, too. Alfred had this great idea. Um, Bella Haven, where you major in art appreciation. See? You major in art appreciation. And you could do there art you history. Thank you could do art history. Yeah. In fact, this day in history, Art Bell interviewed mm-hmm. Dr. Roger Lear. Yep, yep, yep. Then you hear the music in the background. Dum, 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 right. Dum, dum, so dum. I'm asking people to go to bellahaven.com with a hyphen and f- just hit the buttons. I don't know how to do a form yet. And the button starts up an email that where you just send me. That way I will put you on the list. And then as soon as we build this, because we're going to practice with something that we're calling a sound rave. That is, we're going to just show up. If there's a good show on the network that we want to, that Lasha and I want to practice with, once we have our little things together, we're going to show up on the on PSN and say, and, and tell people that we're going to talk after the show, and then we'll all listen to the show together, and then we'll have a show afterward, and it'll be a practice. Right. You see, cool. and we can just kind of, kind of like not zomb ninja. It's like a ninja show. Dark and then okay. So here's this. Weird I have piece. your intro music already. You ninja do ninja rap. Oh yeah, your rap. Send it yes. to me. Send it to me. Um, I I'm going to be writing it tonight. I'm going to be okay, but Ninja you have to work rap. Ninja you have to work with Lexi. Rap. You have to work with Lexi because Lexi, Lexi's going to do. I think she's going to take the lead here. Okay. Well, she'll but take she's, the in. She'll take the intro, and then yeah. Angel's rap will do the outro. Okay. Okay. Here's go. here's the cool news. Motorola, the company, has created. This is real. An edible password pill. Which, once you take it, your stomach, di- your stomach juices, uh-huh. the acid in your stomach emits an 18-bit signal, which is strong enough to communicate and unlock all your devices and is also FDA-approved. It is real. What? And it goes on and on. I, I, have, I have all the links, which I will put up. But, yeah, it's oh, totally definitely, wild. definitely fascinating for Wednesday night. That will be a real discussion Why? on Skywatchers. Oh, Why? are you kidding Look at the wow. implications. You should actually what mention about that tonight, tonight, guys? We have yeah, like, no what kidding. about tonight? Do you realize the implications mm-hmm. of that? This is the beginning, folks. This is the beginning. And I'll give you the link. It's in a thing called, let me see what it is. Swallow this. It's in a reputable thing. 
Entrepreneur is what it's called, whatever that is. I'll just give you the link. It's a magazine. Yeah, whatever. Like, what I'll would give be it the to purpose Angel. Of coming, my question is, what would be the purpose of coming up with this sort of technology? This like, makes no sense. It does I'll make tell sense. You what the, if you, I'll, if I'll you tell you think, what it is. If you, if you okay. get paranoid. Conspiracy moment. Beep, beep, right? okay. beep, 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 Go ahead, Bill. Go ahead, Bill. So we you, need will sound be, effects. A, you will be emitting a password that anybody with a password reader can track you. So let's say you are on the lam from law enforcement and like an idiot, you've taken that pill. Anybody can track anybody in law enforcement can 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 track it. Everybody will know who needs a driver's license. Well, you need a driver's license, but really who needs identification when you've got your own unique password that's biological that you are beeping out? It's right. incredible. And let's and, just say right. that you've trained all of your devices. Ah, oh, is this a ripoff? That you've trained all <laughs> of your devices to recognize this password. And then, and then when the pill disintegrates, when it's digested, when it's worn out, you've got to take another pill. How much will that cost? Can well, you get the, it on your thing. medical you, insurance? You know will Medicare know? pay for it? Right. I don't know. See, I thought our guest Eric tonight could talk about this because he talks about biopsychology. But here's the thing: um, I you know what? Stinking pills. You saying. know, you know what? You know uh, who's complaining the first, the earliest? Well, the yeah. IT, the IT people, who when, when customers call in and say, "Do I put it under my tongue? Do I put it under my ear? Do I you uh-huh. know, eh. put it in and, your rectum?" And you know how many do I take? <laughs> I took too many. I threw it up. Just be happy it's not a suppository. Yeah, well, you're put it in the Which record. reminds me. Okay, so that's what we're also going to talk about tonight. So um, um, uh, I want to quickly put a plug in. Angel, you have got to see the newest um, – uh, what do you call this thing? The newest season of Hell, uh, Trailer Park Boys. You don't have to go from the beginning. Just look at the brand-new season. It is so Every week she fun. tells me. And every week I say, I watch it, and then I never do. No, this week this, – uh, this show we watched last night – had one of the funniest things I've ever. It's one of those great funny things where you laugh for like two days afterward. Every time you think of it, it's just such a great gag. Um, that I I I say once once again, get on the bandwagon. Bella, Bella Haven, and on Haven. that note, on that Bella note, on that Bella note, note. We are now going to take. Ooh, that's a great gonna, song. Right, we get are a, now going to. We are now going to take our break. Uh, So stay with us, folks. We'll be back with our guest, Eric. um, And we will be uh, we will be right back. So listen to these messages. We are your co-host, Bill. That's me and Nancy Burns on Future Theater Live broadcasting on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. We'll be back after. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, 
Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions, providing solutions to your Internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology, preventative maintenance and networking support, hardware and custom-built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now, 954 970 That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Look up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com In a world run by thugs and imbeciles, by robber barons in three-piece suits, where a subservient media pipes sewage into the eyes and ears of the masses 24 hours a day, seven days a week, where do you go for the truth? Is the president an alien, either Kenyan or Zeta? Did the fabulous sea monkeys ordered from comic book ads by kids in the 60s and 70s slither out of their tanks and into ears, and are they running the brains of the ruling elite today? Is David Icke right about the queen being a lizard, or is there a sea monkey brooding on his brain like a jockey atop a chunk of horse meat? Are Lemurians beneath Mount Shasta really addicted to porn and chewing tobacco, or are their spokesmen in the surface world deluded or deranged? From the answers to all these questions and more, tune in each week for another revealing and informative episode of Unraveling the Secrets, and get that sea monkey off of your brain. Roswell, UFOs, Flying Saucers, Alien Abduction, Are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the Internet. This is James Swagger, host of Capricorn Radio. I'm also an author, engineer, and researcher. 
Capricorn Radio covers alternative history, alternative science, philosophy, and truth orientated discussions. We are proud to be on the Dark Matter Radio Network live at 8 pm Saturdays, Eastern Standard Time. You can catch extra info on darkmatterradio.net, jameswagger.com for yours truly, and capricornmembers.com for the archives. Don't forget, truth is not democratic, truth is truth. We're back on Future Theater Live with our guest, Eric Williams. Um, thank you for joining us, Eric. Uh, we look forward to a real interesting discussion tonight. Um, well, thank you for having me. And, and thank you, by the way, for making a last-minute schedule change because we had a mix-up uh, with guests, and you were gracious enough to um, do the old switcheroo in uh, the time you were going to be a guest. So thank you very much. Oh, no problem. It was kind of interesting getting an email at 4.19 in the morning. Oh well, yes. see that. See, see, Angel. Did you, did, um, Eric? Did you hear our our yes, beginning I did. of the show? That's okay, why. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Would you be up at five in the morning listening to the new show, uh, Eric? I, I was. I, I I had a hard time sleeping last night, so I was just listening to the radio, and then I got an email, and and it was Nancy. There you go. So, Eric, why don't you tell everybody? It's bare shirt. Beshirt. It's Beshirt. 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 Yeah. Beshirt. <laughs> it's, Jewish. it's Jewish. It's Jewish for voodoo. Voodoo. Oh, okay. It's actually Yiddish for Kung Fu and faded. But, but Eric, tell, uh, tell folks exactly what you do, where you teach. Okay. And you are a psychologist. So, yeah. and that'll start this discussion. Yes. I, I am a professor of psychology at a. Uh, the only thing I can say is it's a, it's a small college in northwestern Maryland. They're really um, <clears throat> they really like to control their image. So I need to jump through some hoops with them to find out if they want me to um, say their name. Well, well your uh, topics are going to are your topics uh, sort of outside the academic spectrum a little bit. I use the school and students as examples sometimes. Mm. Uh, mm. It's a matter of fact, we just finished our accreditation, which uh, which was no fun, but it's a, it's a, it's, it's a wonderful school. I enjoy, um, I enjoy, uh, working there. I have, well, do you have, do you have tenure, tenure there, Eric? No, you know, tenure, except for in the really 
big Ivy League schools doesn't really exist anymore except for a name. You can still get fired. Tenure in the 60s, I don't know what you would have had to have done to lose your job. (laughs) And I really worked at it when I was a college professor in the 60s, let me tell you. Okay, Bill was sitting in a tree with other, all the English department, they were all sitting on different limbs of a tree, and they were all singing something. And they were naked, by the way. You were naked as well? Yeah. And then... Well, we yeah. were down to our shorts, sitting in a tree, um, uh, singing Partridge in a Pear Tree. It was, it was really, it was um, late spring, right before break, and we'd all taken THC. And that, might, and that might get me fired. <laughs> but what they have is that. Sounds like uh, a good time to me. Yeah. Oh, it was a fabulous <laughs> time. Then the Princeton police show up. And they're flashing their lights, and I'm saying, I'm doomed, I'm doomed. I better pack my bags for Vietnam. But they just said, well, you guys quiet down, and they left. That's fine. No, but you See, can, all these years later, you're laughing at it now. It's all We fun. still have a lot of academic freedom. We can still do – I mean, it is a, it's a wonderful job. Well, is it, as, as the right wing says, are colleges really just a hotbed of left-wing ideas – and that's it for most colleges? Or would you say that there's a bit of a level playing field? No, it's, it's – I would say I'm surprised at the number of professors I do run into that identify as conservative. Uh, I'm, I'm a uh, – well, in Maryland, you can't be an independent. You can simply be unaffiliated. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm really neither. But I and would speaking say – And speaking of which, and speaking of which, while we have you – Right from Maryland. Um, how close were you to the riots or whatever they were? Well, you're on the other side of the state, right? Oh, yeah, I'm 45 minutes. Okay. So about yeah. as far as – I mean, we're, we're a little further. We, we follow that very closely. <laughs> Way yeah. further. On I can imagine. I can imagine. So did you guys get to talk about it? Because um, no. I know you have a lot of – no? Because I know you have a lot of um, – Former, um, uh, uh, you have a lot of veterans in your classes, right? And, well, see, and classes were classes were over. We're in our finals week. Oh wow! Uh, you guys end early. Uh, yeah, we start early too. Um, so we do end early. But this would have been perfect uh, for social psychology because that's when we talk about all the taboo stuff that you're not supposed to talk about. Sure. In, in real, real life. So so uh, so, what is your feeling about it? I mean, what it. Uh, what would be were you to open a discussion about what's happened in Baltimore over the last two weeks? How would you how would you begin that discussion? Well, by this time in the course, we would have this, we would have already talked about how we move from stereotypes to prejudice to discrimination. So they would have had a pretty good foundation for how people get to where they don't like each other, <clears throat> but they're not sure why they don't like each other. But who's the we? Who, who's doing? Why? I mean, who's doing the moving? Why is this happening? Who's laying out the the um, the, the stepping stones? Well, see, when I do this with my students, I start with four-year-olds sitting around the dinner table learning stereotypes. Nice. And then nice. By, Very good. And, and stereotypes can be positive or negative. They're just beliefs. Yeah. I, yeah. I'll make up a race of the purple people because there are no actual purple people, right? Mm-hmm. So, you, right. you know, you're, you're sitting around the dinner table and you hear mom and dad saying, you know, pretty bad things about the purple people. And these things must be facts because mom and dad are gods. They only tell the truth. And then as you grow older and you, you take these, these facts in, then you go to the next level, which is prejudice. And prejudice are simply feelings. 
uh, people confuse the word with, with, you know, with discriminate, but they develop negative feelings about these people. And then to discriminate, that's the behavior level. That's where you start to treat people differently. If I, uh, my guess is that if I took any cop and any writer and had them sit on, had them sit down and have a cup of coffee, they'd be friends. That's why I say I'm, I'm not sure that most of the time people understand why they don't like each other. Ah, uh, so, okay. So let me throw this it's, at you then. It's very scripted if you ask me. It's yeah, just, yeah. It's well, very okay. So you've heard of Donald Hebbs, correct? Mm-hmm. The Canadian psychologist. And so uh, Donald Hebbs' theory, which I've written about in a couple of books, is neurons that fire together wire together. Yes. So – so, so from the point of hearing negative stereotypes about the purple people around a dinner mm-hmm. table when you're very young, you yes. begin neurolinguistically to associate the feeling of fear, dislike, yes. um, with mm-hmm. the word purple people. And yeah. that sets up a neurological wiring, uh, a, a firing pattern, so that your response when you see purple people or hear talk about purple people s- sets up. There is now a, a neurological fabric for what feelings that would generate, and ultimately, yeah, but you're not a kid in a va- that becomes hardwired. Yeah, but you're guys, you're not a kid in a vacuum. The child no. h- hearing about purple people might have a best friend at school. Who loves right. this child who is purple and so if the child has dissonance now so what happens then well, ah, one of the things ahead. when i'm teaching is i and i and I, I use a lot of human in the classroom but i call professor williams 70 percent rule about 70 percent of the uh, you know whenever I, I tell them whenever i throw out what sounds like a fact it's true about 70 percent of the time but okay. we do have we do have free will some people <clears throat> can grow up in that environment and not dislike the purple people. <clears throat> so, we're, you know, we're, we're, we're talking large majorities, but certainly not 100%. Mm-hmm. So, okay. yeah, you go to school, you have a purple people friend. But you have to um, – very, very young children, um, uh, they do a lot of what we call assimilation and accommodation. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you think of buckets of rules, like mm-hmm. if you ask a four-year-old what makes – someone a female and you ask a 40 year old you'll get two sets of answers the four-year-old's answer may be very strict but that little girl down the street when my son let his hair grow shoulder length ask him if he was now a female because that made sense to her mm-hmm. okay it's so also she because a- yeah as a parent you don't ever spend time just telling the whole story from a to z you basically right. answer your children's questions as they come. And so you might answer an innocent question about, you know, when right. you're in the bathroom with your daughter, why are we both girls? It's because we both have this particular yes. tooth, toothpaste. Yeah. No, no, just this particular Girl toothpaste. Straight. It can be right. completely unconnected right. to reality. But the ch- right. see, but the dissonance filter that I'm talking about, in the case of waves – um, waves can go unimpeded, but when they hit dissonance, when they hit the other waves coming in, so uh, the dissonance creates a whole new thing. Um, it does. And, and so and what it, I'm wondering is, uh, it, because only a child raised in a bunker underground isn't going to see the real world as separate right. from what their parents are saying. So how do you deal with my parents are fools? Well, when you have, when you have cognitive dissonance like that, first of all, when you're younger, you can do what's made, called, you make an accommodation. You say, 
this rule doesn't work. I need to change it. Men can have long hair too. The purple people aren't so bad. But one of the one of the things I challenge my students with, I say, do you think we always just assimilate, which means we add new information, which is right. just fine, accommodate, we say, oh, I was wrong, or do we sometimes just make exceptions? Because growing up in the 60s, you know, I'm, I'm 57, people, white people, you know, like me, I, I, I would hear them talk about a black friend and simply make an exception. You know, your oh, husband is, is like yeah. he's a credit to his race. They right. would make an exception for that person. So yeah. this kid. Oh, he's go, so well spoken. He's mm-hmm. so into the, yeah, yeah. Those yeah, those right. kinds of comments. Yeah. So he's a gentleman, basically, is what they would say. So this right, kid, right. purple person friend, and go home, and his parents would say, "Well, you know, there's always exceptions. Some purple people, right. aren't, you know, violent and stinky and smelly and stupid." Well, well, I remember the back. Yeah, remember, the very thing you're talking with, the very thing you're talking about, happened in the South um, before the Civil War, and in the South before the Civil War, in the plantation South, white children. And this is this is true. It's really um, a, a part of history. The white children of the plantation owners of the slaveholders and the black children were literally raised, I mean, we're talking about little kids. They were literally raised together. Together, yes. They had together to because the, because the biggest, uh, the big, uh, because black women raised children. Right. And that's what they did. And so all children were raised together. So black right. children, white children assimilated until a certain age when right. the white children were then separated and therefore had to define their own views about exactly. the children they were raised with, now they're adults. And that's and, and, and that's a behavioral argument, and it's the one I like. I mean, you you have to learn this. I tell my class, I said, imagine you know a um, a uh, uh, just a hospital. You got you, you got a one day year old newborn white baby and a one day old newborn black baby, and a nurse walks by, and the, and one of the little babies says, "Could you push me about six feet away from that other one?" Because I don't like black babies or I don't like white babies. And they say, well, no. And I say, well, then, you know, how do they, you know, but, but the point I'm getting across them is that you, you have to learn not yeah, to Yeah, but like when them. you said that, not, I was, I thought the prejudice, yeah, but I thought the prejudice uh, game when you were saying that was, which baby do you think would be speaking out of its bassinet, a black baby or a white baby? Oh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. I like that. You know? <laughs> I'll incorporate that next time. Well, I always let I always let them make the choice. I'm very careful in class to to let them make the choices and not you know um, not let them know what my own what a lot of my own personal beliefs are. Because one of the things I'd email Bill that you know that, that's always worth talking about is critical thinking, and there isn't enough of that. No, t- no. In fact, in fact, that's one of the things that um, even in colleges now. But there's a pendulum swing to that. There is. There are times. Uh, uh, there are times when uh, w- when students in colleges really. I mean, I grew up in. I mean, I was teaching college back in the '60s, and so um, uh, there are times when um, students are very critical and logical in their approach, and there are times when students want to be emotionally passionate about a belief they hold. So, teaching yes. college during the Vietnam War 
you were not dealing with critical analysis. You no. were dealing with students who were who because their lives were on the line. I mean, these were right. kids who would be soon who would soon be going to Vietnam as well as their teachers, and, and so, right, and so and getting shot at, and so. Um, you had students that were looking at this thing viscerally from, I don't want to fight this war. I will look for any single excuse. It was kind of outcome determinative. I will look for any single excuse to right. end the war because this is not where I want to go. Yet at the same time, there were students who were, who were not in college. There were students who were working, who were, who were drafted uh, or who didn't want to be drafted, so they enlisted. And of course, for them, it was just the opposite. They were passionately devoted. They were, pa uh, they were emotionally attached to winning the war to defend America until they came back mm -hmm. from Vietnam and realized you know, what they'd done, where they'd been, and how horrible it was. Right. Hmm. And, and, and you know, a lot of that was learning, too. I mean, one, one of the things that we cover in social psych is why basic training works. Right, exactly. Uh, and there so, yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not surprised, you know, I'm not, I'm not surprised to hear, to hear that. Uh, I have a lot of young discharged soldiers as students, um, ah. and I always try to get them to talk about their experiences, but I always ask them before class. I don't want to put them on the spot. A mm. lot of them have uh, PTSD and, mm. you know, if they want to talk, um, I, I love it, but I don't, you know, <clears throat> I don't want them to have a panic attack in the middle of class. Well, have you thought of having a little like after hours casual get together of just the students who want to, you know, Inform share stuff? Informal group? Um, we have we have that. We're just starting to do it and it's growing. It's and it's actually sort of an offshoot of the psychology. Class. Right. And are you able, uh, let's just say that if you had an independent little study group like that, would you be able to uh, bring in information from, let's say, psychedemia, it's called, in which psychedelic drugs are very well proven at this point to really help? Can you bring Not that information? The college accreditation process, that's for no. sure. <laughs> no, seriously. No, we, you, no, no, we, yeah. I mean, no, we actually talk about that in class now. We, we we do talk about the um, about about some of the psychedelics. Right, the ayahuasca treatment is one. <clears throat> MDMA is is another. Although I think from what I've been, re I, I'm not an expert. I'm a reader. Period. Mm -hmm. I'm no, I have no experience. But it says that if you're a, a frequent user, then it wouldn't work for you. You know, if you're an abuser of MDMA. So mm -hmm. you'd have to try a different – but supposedly nobody can abuse ayahuasca. It's a, it's a purgative as well as a uh, – not, not a diuretic. It's a, a, a laxi laxative type thing. And so in other words oh, – okay. Diarrhea inducing, right? It, yeah. It it's is, not a it – it's, 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 it's unbelievably it's bad. It's not a party drug. Uh, it's very serious and if you really are – Unless you want in, a poo party. It there sounds like it binds with receptors in your in your gut because I mean we, it, we, does. We, it does it does it does that's exactly okay. what it does. Well, it, no, it doesn't. Fact, it doesn't. It doesn't. It's well, it doesn't. The it doesn't. Reason, no, it doesn't because uh, if you took the DMT containing plant, the vine, uh, hmm. and didn't uh, know how to combine it with the stuff that does protect your gut, um, it protects your gut. It protects the, the drug from your gut um, enveloping it because you have DMT in your body all the time. Right. That's what I was going to say, that your yeah. body processes DMT at night. That's the dream state. 
It's right, the pineal so it, gland that releases DMT. Right. And it does seem that maybe that's what the near-death experience is, that, you know, your, your, your God gland, your... It's your, a hallucination. Mm-hmm. It could be. That's what, but here's the thing I want to ask Eric. Uh, there's two myths that we grew up with. One is that you, you only use 10% of your brain. Uh, number yep. two, and that I'm reading now, that's a myth. But number two... Oh, and I forgot it. I was so excited to get my first one in. That was the ten percent. <laughs> yeah, I just used it up. Never, it'll come back. Which, by the way, by the way, that being a myth, Nancy, just makes that movie uh, Limitless so much more stupid. Really? Yeah, really? because we all know it's not true, and yet that movie's all based on that piece yeah. of fiction. It, you know, it well, might be more. Yeah. It might be more true to say that we only need about ten percent of our. Brain. Okay, here's the other thing. Here's the other thing I was going to say. It's it. It is a fact that every seven years we basically have a whole new body. We have we replace ourselves every that seven years. Oh, you don't do that with you don't do that with neurons. You don't do that with your memories. No, nope, you don't. No, with your brain, also, yeah. you, you have also, the same billion neurons you were born with, and right. and we and we need a lot of redundancy, and we need a lot of room for plasticity so that's that that's kind of where the 10 percent thing came yeah from. that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense but in, in, in any event um isn't it a miracle that we won't have the same fingernails seven years from now so yeah, forth and so on but we keep it but but if somebody can probe little spots in your brain the memory of second grade this the the third <laughs> afternoon in september and that boom. was the experiment yes. and that was the experiment that wilder penfield was conducting um, at the University of Montreal back in the early 1950s. It was part of MK Ultra, but that was part of the experiment. That's where you get the books, I'm okay, you're okay, and the, and, um, the games people play. That was his experimentation. Yeah. I, I watched a, uh, it was a film, because it was before a video, of a, a neurosurgery being done on a chess master's head. And as they were poking around, they found the game he had played. And, right. you know, if you're, if you're a chess master... You might remember a lot of moves you made in a game 20 years ago, but not every single move. But someone right. someone in the uh, OR had the sense to write down everything he said. And as they probed around, he relived every single move in the game. We probably don't ever forget anything. And right. there's another reason that you know you need a lot of neurons. Because, but what you lose the ability to do is to go get that information. It's it's right. It, you know, it, 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 so- it's, it sounds like time travel almost. Yeah, but if you electrically stimulate it, you can temporarily rebuild that, that bridge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you know why they did those exper- And uh, do you know why those ex- uh, they were doing those experiments back in the 1950s? This is a fascinating talk about social right. psychology. It was not for medical purposes. As fu- first of all, this research in Canada in the early 50s was funded by the CIA. So let's get that out of the way first. But okay. they were funding it. These experiments were done for a really important um, national security reason. Mm-hmm. And it was that at the end of World War II, at the end of the Korean War, there were American there were American soldiers, American troops, in the, in the case of the Korean War, POWs, but mm-hmm. um, that were held back by the Soviets and the Chinese. Now, remember, the Soviets were the ones who invented conditioning, Pavlov's dogs. That's what they invented. And what the Soviets were doing was they were taking American ident- identities 
the identities of the of the prisoners. The prisoners mm-hmm. themselves wound up in gulags. I mean, they never came home, but they were taking those identities and implanting new identities into conditioned Soviet agents. They were really agent provocateurs mm-hmm. whose job it was to come back into the United States under the color of the identities of the POWs who would never come home to come back. And they were called playbacks and they would mm-hmm. come back into the United States. And the conditioning was so deep and so thorough that they would never break under torture because they weren't even aware of their real identities. That's so one of the, yeah. So one of the, so the reason they were funding Wilder Penfield and his electronic probing of the cerebral cortex with um, low voltage stimulation mm-hmm. was that those memories that Eric, you just talked about mm-hmm. are spontaneous. They're not consciously controlled. So, at a certain point, a memory will pop up and the person will begin reliving that memory while he's in the present. And so when you yes. read some of the transcripts of interactions between patients and, and uh, Dr. Penfield, Professor Penfield, what you'd hear is this amazing response of, my God, I'm a child. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. But I'm, I know I'm with you in this room. And they were right. simultaneously holding them in the same spot. Well, the point was to get these Soviet agents to respond automatically beyond their conscious control to memories from the Soviet Union. And that's how they would identify some of these people if the CIA could catch them. A, it didn't work because they never found these people. And B, the jobs these agents were supposed to do, like blowing up a power plant, destroying Mm -hmm. a railroad crossing, Mm-hmm. We never fought a war with the Soviet Union. It never happened. So all the uh, targets just quietly disappeared. And, sure. how do we, and how do we know this? When um, the Soviet Union dissolved, the KGB, which now no longer exists except for Vladimir Putin, the, the KGB sold, because there was no money, sold its records to Yale University Library, and they are now called the Venona Files, and everything from the early 50s about playbacks and Soviet penetration, and that's mm. all there for everybody to see. Were they, were they removing these engrams, these pieces of tissue? No, the people just slowly died off. Okay. That's because they never, rece- they never received the signal that would have stimulated their conditioning to, to really or go into... did they? You know, conspiracy people believe always that sometimes the atom lenses of the world, the signal just came in at the wrong time or some such thing like that. Sure. It blew that's, up. A, that's a whole other thing, that, that yeah. people like uh, John Hinckley and people like, um, who was the, uh, 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 Chapman, um, were basically kind of robotically controlled by the government to create these crimes so there'd be an anti-gun thing. That's the whole gun lobby conspiracy. Mm-hmm. Well, you but heard you know, about the, the pill that, that I was describing before you came on, the pill that you can swallow yes. now. Huh. I, my first thought was, how do you keep it in you? Well, yeah, that you, was you swallow thought. it. What do you mean, how to keep it in you? It, no, it's uh-huh. when your stomach acid it, interacts with it, that's when the signal goes out. Because your GI tract works really hard to move things through. I don't. No, but but see, already it's, it, it's probably. Is it, it one of those things where you're going to have to take a pill? Yeah, but do we, are you going to have to take a pill like every day or every couple I don't of days? Know. I have a funny feeling you're going to have to keep on taking these pills. Uh, that's my yeah. thought. 
Huh. It's going to, it's going to, you know, just, just through motility, it's going to move through you and you're, you're going to digest it. Or you're going to pass it, but it, it, well, it won't how, just how, stop anywhere. Yeah. How intrigued are you guys with the new watch, the Apple watch, as they show the commercials, does any part of you want to try it? No, not at all. No, not at all. No, really? I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by it really from more of a philosophical point, a philosophical psychological point, because there is this, uh, and this is just me. Mm-hmm. I see, I see this amount. What we're seeing already is this amalgamation of um, cybernetic humans, not well, that, cyborgs, that, but cybernetic that, humans. That is interesting. That that part I do like. I and and the watch may just be an extremely early. Yeah, you know, that's what I think. That's what most of the time you're looking at a tiny version of your Apple iPhone, but it does right. other things like you know read your heartbeat, um, things yeah, like that. Yeah, but here's the thing. I mean, you put it up against a thing, and it pays or it, like gets you into the club in it ten times faster than all the people who are fumbling in their old-fashioned wallets. It's well, just but, but one step away from a chip. But your phone with uh, the NFC chips does that as well. Yep, it does. Yeah. Oh, sure. Yeah, you yeah. just because the watch is just like a phone. You could actually ah. The, um, so see, so what's to stop you from getting a chip in your wrist? Nothing that does everything like that. Everybody's that's eventually the future, Nancy. Yeah. Eventually, that's eventually when you're born, they're just going to put a chip in you as a baby, and you don't even notice. There's there a brand, there's a brand new baby on um, Trailer Park Boys, and it is literally the funniest jokes I've ever seen. I'm not telling you anything more, but when you that, he would be the baby that would be chipped at this point. Well, there was a scientist uh, a year or two ago, and Bill, you might have read about this. He had he had chips put under his skin. For the uh, college where he worked, so that yeah, we he, saw him. he didn't have to use a card to go through the doors. They were basically near field chips, um, right? Yeah, and I've, so we can do that now. Oh it's yeah, just expanding, you know, what it can do, and we st- uh, and as as small as circuits are now that they we you know we need to get down to one and two nanosecond. I mean, one or two nanometer processes, and Intel mm-hmm. will do that eventually. Oh, uh, so that fact, so that you yeah. get enough on a chip to make it worth, you know, sticking one under. Well, I, I'm right. frustrated by the, you know, the new MacBook Air, which is very, very slender, and it comes in gold. They've shown <laughs> um, cross sections of how tiny the computer is in that thing. The whole thing is a battery. The rest of it, the computer yeah. is only the size of a business card. That's the whole computer. That's the, that's the next challenge. It is um, yeah. electronic storage yep. of energy. Mm-hmm. And that's why this new Tesla battery that's basically can power homes and power things like that. Um, yeah, we're moving into the future slowly is but fasc- slowly. It's just fascinating It is to the me. future, Nancy. 2015, remember? I think- what do you mean? Back to the future. This is the future. Oh, right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, this is the year. That we- yeah. <laughs> I think yesterday was the first time I heard a news story about the uh, that Tesla technology. It's fascinating to me because basically what they're doing is they're redefining the power grid. So at some Wait, you're point, talking about the battery that comes out of the car and can power no, your house? No. Tesla has developed – um, is moving from just selling cars because there's a whole political thing with selling cars um, – or without having franchise dealers in a state, but um, they're but they found the business. No, this is Elon Musk that's found a business 
of just creating these monster storage batteries um, that pick up a charge and they could power your home. So if you mate these powerful storage batteries with solar cells on roofs, right? then what you then can do is only use the electrical power grid as backup. So they're basically redefining the grid, which yeah. is fascinating to me. And of course, the utility companies aren't happy with all this because – they have to maintain the they have to maintain the entire infrastructure whether you use it or not and that's an interesting debate I, and that's way out of my field but you know what well I, I always try to understand both sides of a story because there are two sides and they and, and to an extent they have a point I mean in California for example there there is a lot of alternative energy to the point that it's causing electrical companies uh, some financial issues because they're right. you know, they're I mean, saying, they're saying we have to maintain all this stuff, whether you use it or not. So, what's going to happen is that people who don't have solar power, uh, their bills will go up because someone's got to pay for it. Right, if right, I, right. Which if, will further if, squeeze you into doing solar. Well, if if I were an energy company, what I would do is I would get into the solar cell business. I would yes. get the cheapest solar cells possible. Get yep. into the solar cell business. Um, harvest the um, government. Um, the government uh, reimbursements for um, using renewable energy, pass right. that part of that along to consumers. And I would just get into the installation of solar cell business, structure a deal with structure a deal, buying the batteries in bulk from uh, Tesla, uh, from uh, the Tesla corporation. Mm -hmm. And, and that's what I would do. And that would be my maintenance. Because the more people I got off the grid, the more I would save on maintenance for um, some of these overhead wires. I mean, well, I sure. can see that. And the other thing you would do is that we are, you know, we've we've only had the technology that we have now for a relatively short period of time. We're we're right. only one really powerful solar flare away from. Right. A, uh, a grid structure that's goop lying on the ground and all of the satellites right. blowing out of the sky. I, I, I'm, I'm a ham radio operator as well. And a lot of us, we, we think we're amazed that we haven't had a flare, but we've had a very quiet, uh, almost 20 years of uh, solar activity. But when I first got into ham radio in the early 90s before GPS and all that, we had some flares that would have taken out all of the GPS satellites. Really? Right, and one of the people writing about and, this and is this guy, ham, Mitch Batros from Earth Changes Media, who's talking about act, a lot of activity on the sun, a lot of coronal flares, and what they will be doing to non-hardened um, satellite arrays. Well, exactly. would the hams be safe from the solar flares? Yeah, yes. Well, all of our systems are independent. We're not, we, don't, we, um, we try not to use the grid. Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not active anymore. But when I was, I had enough battery power to run all my radios for probably a week. Wow. And well, it, um, how, much, how much would it cost an amateur person to get involved with ham equipment and do that these days? Uh, uh, the hardest part is getting the license. Yes, uh, indeed. An FAA license. Because you would think. You, for the basic license, you have to learn an awful lot of basic electronics. I have a license that technically doesn't exist anymore called an advanced class. And that was one of the hardest exams I ever took. Uh, but, the, you know, you can, my gosh, you, 
you know, your test is going to cost you all but five or ten dollars, depending on where you go to take it. Mm-hmm. You can you can, you you can buy on Amazon right now uh, a handheld ham radio for from Beifeng for about thirty five dollars. That twenty years ago would have cost a thousand dollars. Wow! So so the, so is that all you would need is a handheld radio, little radio well, to be a ham operator? Yeah, I mean, for some of the, we have a lot of frequencies, uh, but for longer distance communication, you know, you need those put out three and four watts. I see. But now, if what, you, but for emergencies, you would want those, the local frequencies, right? Yeah, I mean, they, around here, which is rural, like when we had the two big blizzards, right. uh, uh, they had all of us working with the police because their big, uh, you know, 800 megahertz digital system in a blizzard just went right down. We provided their their. Well, how many of you were there? Uh, I there was probably uh, um, in the 1992 93 storm. There was probably maybe 150 or 200 of us working on it, and we and we nice. just around the clock till they didn't need us anymore. When nice. they go in the mountains to search for people that are lost, yeah. uh, they're using really high frequencies that are line of sight, and we can do everything from extremely low frequencies to. To gigahertz, so we can right, adjust. Right. We can adjust. Wow! Uh, you know, so the technology has, in fact, improved over the years, so that in your hands now you have a higher level technology for ham, yeah. right? And you can, with a with a with a radio in your house, running off of a car battery and about a fifty foot long piece of wire, you could be sitting here right now talking to some talking to someone in Central America. Maybe wow. even France, uh, atmosphere is ionized. Wow. And that's with something that, that's under $100. Right, right? but and you've got to get... But and the time it takes own... to, learn the li- to learn to get the license, right? And getting that's, your uh, that's, letters. That's the hard part. Now, so you, you don't, sp- you, so you don't at... speak unless you have a license, right? Not allowed to, No. No. no, you can't transmit. That's that. Uh, uh, that's the rule. Because yeah. we had to have a license on when I was on the first aid squad. Anybody operate? Well, first of all, you have to have a radio license just to be able to have. Because we had our own call letters, and so that was one thing you had to have. And then people who were in charge of that radio unit um, had to pass the Morse code test. Yes, I had to do that too. It's gone now, but I was I, I was a ham before they made that go away. So mm-hmm. I had to, learn how to do that. Now, when you see pictures of uh, Art Bell's ham shack, mm-hmm. right? Now, he, he has radios and he, he has five figure radios. As soon as wow. something new comes out in the market, he just goes out and gets them. I well, can see. You know, um, there right now is a, is a is a um, a little movie going around Bellgab, probably maybe even artbell.com. Someone, someone invited, took pictures of Art Bell's uh, loop antenna. This person oh, was yeah installed it, by helicopters. Amazing. Oh, antenna. really? Yeah. Okay, so what got, you know, in 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 like pretend we're four year olds sitting around the kitchen table. Explain what a loop antenna does. A, a loop. Oh boy, I'm trying to think how to do this. Um, hmm. It's. I think his is a square. And it gives you a more omnidirectional signal. Okay. And, and you want to be a wavelength off the ground. So for some of the shorter wavelengths, the shorter, lower frequencies, mm-hmm. that might be 50 or 60 or 100 feet. So mm-hmm. Art put up these gigantic towers. 
and mm-hmm. and they and he with the use of helicopters and you know he has the equipment and he has the antennas to do anything he wants. I mean, it is amazing. Wow. Um, well, you know, he's already been picked up on a shortwave station. They've already kind of uh, said hi and said they were going to try to carry the live show. But I mean, with that well, kind of radio power, you you know, you almost have the makings of a science fiction, um, a science fiction hero, somebody who is out in the field at night and lightning comes down, and that <laughs> that loop antenna makes you into super super radio guy. You know what I'm saying? Well, Could happen. Had his, had his you know the, the show that that Nori's on now. As soon as he got off the air, he got on forty meters and talked to people. He wouldn't. He wouldn't talk about the show because he just wanted to have some fun. But Art got oh, on him, him every night. Wow! And then using the the he was using the frequencies that 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 hugged the earth, not not the line of sight frequencies. So, how many people does he have to talk to in the world? I mean, it's not like the internet where there's millions. It's a tiny, like oh. tiny. So, I mean, it's, it's sort of rebounding. It started, the internet uh, killed it a lot in the United States. I bet we lost more than 50% because now if mm-hmm. you want to talk to someone in the country, uh, just go on a computer. The fun of ham radios was that you made your own antennas. You had to solder your own connectors. You mm-hmm. had to understand what you were doing. And then when you talk to someone somewhere else, that's because you, you, you knew how it all worked. Yeah. Well, the internet will, will probably the internet will probably rebuild it for you over a very short period of time because now the people who have always wanted to do it, but there was this barrier to entry. You perhaps didn't know anybody in person who did it, and you didn't want to ask people stupid well, questions. Uh, one of the uh, one of the great you know, one of the great things about the old ham radio shacks from the 1950s and 1960s was that when you communicated with somebody new uh, via a ham radio you would exchange call letter cards. So you'd go into these shacks and you would see the walls plastered with call letter cards all over the place of of people who communicated. When you talk to someone, you would send them basically a postcard called a QSL card. Right. And they would would go to like this. It's funny. It's like an international post office. And you would send them like money. And then when you got about 20 cards, they would package them up and mail them to you. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. Hmm. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to jump to, I want to jump to, um, Eric, how would, so you're in class, how would you present to a class, a mixed class of, let's say, older adults now? These are Army veterans. Some of them are police officers. How would you present the events in Baltimore over the past two weeks? What would be your presentation? Well, right now, right now we are about thirty percent non-traditional students in almost any college, except for the really expensive colleges that you go to when you're seventeen. Um, but the students usually get that started themselves. But I would start by asking them what each side wanted and where did they learn that. And my students are very used to my saying that. Where did they learn that? Where did they learn that? What does that mean? Where, well, where you learned what simple, your desires were? Yeah, where, you know, where did you learn what side you were supposed to be on? Where did you learn to... Some protesters, the majority of them, simply wanted to be heard. Okay? Some wanted to you know, break into stores and take everything. So I, w- I, w- I would ask them that question, too, that we had these branches. We had different kinds of protests. We had opportunistic protesters who were really looting. 
and you know how you know what happened uh and i would hope the students would would come to this insight to themselves was that the message that the that the that the protesters wanted to try to get across got drowned out by really a pretty small group of people that yeah, were setting might they have the been might they have been not opportunists but in fact uh cia plants or uh, whoever is going to benefit from this, whoever is going to benefit from, from burning down a few uh, buildings, My, because I've always provoca- provocateurs. Yeah, I, yeah, I've heard that, and I, I don't, I don't know anything about that. You know, on on, on either on either side. But Occam's I, Razor says you have to consider that that's happening. Simple. Yeah. Simplest yeah. explanation is the best, but the, you know, there 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 were a lot of people there that were genuinely angry about you know what had happened to the to the man who was killed um so i i think and that is totally infuriating um yeah and so yeah yeah okay so and and one of the yeah yeah so interesting students was i i i asked them do you think that 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 uh, the the I, at least I've noticed, and I can always say this anecdotally, I have no studies on it, but certainly in the last 10 years, there's been quite a militarization of the police. And I'm not anti-police, by the way. I teach police. I, they're great people. But we're turning them into the military, and they're using words like civilians. And there's yeah, an, there's yeah. an us and them. Um, and whenever you have us and them, it, it turns out you know, that, 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 that thinking devolves into one, only one side can be right. So right. I've talked, I've talked to older cops and they say, you know, we used to do this police, uh, this community policing. People liked us. We'd stop and chat with them. But now you're civilians. And our assumption is that uh, if you haven't done something wrong yet, you're going to. And we right. should be. And, of you civi- and, we should about and you. civilian is not very far from calling everybody insurgents. No, it's or not. Citizen. Well, well citizen was what. No, citizen was what police would call a private citizens back in the day. I mean, I I, I remember um, when we were living citizen. in Los Angeles. Yeah, you know, and um, I something happened with the car, and I had to call nine one one. This was in Beverly Hills. I had to call nine one one, and the cop showed up and said, "What's the problem?" I said, "She won't start. I don't know. She just stalled out." So, so the cop said, "I have a citizen here." with a car that won't start, can you send blah, 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 blah. And so they got the, but the point is, that's what they were calling us, uh, uh, citizens. But you said something very interesting just now, Eric. You said older cops. So you obviously see a generational divide among police forces. How do you you define that generational divide? What is the nature of that divide? The younger cops and our school has a, uh, a police academy. Um, the younger cops are looking and acting like soldiers, not policemen. And they're being trained right. that way, too. But aren't they already soldiers coming in from, um, from, from, the, from the wars? Aren't they uh, joining forces? Some of them are. But I read an article recently because I've, I've been trying to – researches militarization a little bit and they and they say that's a relatively small effect there are as a matter of fact a, a, a lot of soldiers I, I i didn't realize this but the guy that killed the guy and then dropped the taser to make it look like the guy stole his taser 
He right. was um, Slanger is his name. Yeah, his, he he wasn't really a full fledged cop. He had done two hundred. They call him. Uh, they call they call him buy a badge programs. You can you can do you know. Oh, the guy in South Carolina, right? That guy. You, you can do a few yeah. hundred hours of uh, training, and you get a gun and a badge. And you're a reservist. And they said what was funny was that, so here for about 300 hours of training, you get a gun and you can shoot people. But if you want to manicure someone's nails in the state of Maryland, you, it requires 3,000 hours of training and supervision. Wow. 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 Right. So and, something's and suppose- a lot of work. <laughs> no, well, supposedly, I remember when I was on an emergency squad a thousand years ago, and the reserve officers that we had were the ones that would direct the traffic during an emergency. They would call yeah. out the reserve officers. We had two in this small town. And they would, uh, so let's say there's a big fire, right? Mm-hmm. There's a big barn fire. So there's a lot of apparatus at this fire. And uh, yeah, a few ambulances and emergency vehicles and stuff, but a lot of apparatus from um, different mutual aid departments. Well, you would have reserve police, not regular you know, not the regular police, but the reserve police officers, they were fully armed. They were in uniform. They were carrying, they were wearing badges. They'd be the ones directing traffic and making sure that the apparatus can get in and out and that ambulances could get in and yeah. out. So that sure was their people. main function. Right. But, but, but now they, you know, now they're, they're, they're armed. So I actually, and, um, my gosh, the guy that was running the police thing resigned, but uh, and I haven't met the new one yet, but I, I have um, I have approached some people at the school and said, make all these officers in training take my social psychology class. You know, they need to understand people, why they interact, how they form uh, opinions, prejudices, uh, how people can work together better when they're getting along, when you're making the assumption that someone's bad. Then, like we were talking about earlier, after a while, these guys' brains are hardwired that way. Their amygdala just light up when they see someone who isn't a policeman. Yeah, but some of and them I, are I actually in, in cults and groups. There are supposedly an Aryan Brotherhood that's infiltrated the police forces across the country. Well, what would you do if you ended up with some of those kinds of guys? They're in a club, literally. I, have, I, I, I don't have an answer to that. Right now, I feel I feel like the police academies are doing that in their own way because they segregate them as much as they can from the other students. Oh, and, I, oh, really? and, I, and I would like to have them take general psychology and social psychology. And, and you know, you can they that used to be a lot more common, you know, for for police who went to you don't have to go to college to become a policeman. You can go through just the academy. Or you can combine the academy into an AA or a BA. Um, right. Well, that would be something like um, like uh, John Jay College of Criminal Justice in Manhattan, for example. But I was Where actually stand, standing by our sheriff one time. This was about five years ago when he was telling the woman who was in charge of the, the uh, criminal justice program at FCC, uh, police don't need to go to college. And uh, okay. we previously had a college academy, and it got closed down. Well, mm-hmm. why don't why don't they need to learn some of these right. things? If they're, if they're right, 
people well, they've for got a to living? learn to use. They've got to. They've got to take the same time to learn to use the tanks and the uh, rocket launchers that they're that they're buying. They have, you know, that takes training too, and that's really where the time goes. That's what I'm hearing. Yeah, no. yeah but when no, but when I was te- yeah, but when I was uh, teaching at Trenton State, we had uh, we were teaching the um, we had um, the cadets from the state from the New Jersey State Police Academy in Trenton. They would get their BAs in criminal justice there, and they were all required to take basic English courses. And the fascinating thing that I found, I was in the English department, the fascinating thing that I found was the number of state police cadets who wound up becoming psychology majors and wound, up beco- and wound up becoming English majors. Um, and And some of them actually went on, while they were state troopers, they would go on to take their masters because I was on the graduate faculty. They would go on to take their masters mm-hmm. in 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 English, and so you'd. I mean, I had one guy who was a state police. He was a sergeant, and he became a lieutenant during his uh, uh, when he was at the college. He wound up majoring in linguistics because New Jersey has so many different types of um, dialects from oh, North Jersey good. to Central Jersey, out to the Pine Barrens, yeah. and out to all the way in South Jersey. He became so fascinated with the fact that the state had four, I mean, they weren't like Chinese dialects where they're mutually incomprehensible, but they were different dialects. Northern Jersey has an right. outer borough New York dialect. South Jersey has a Philadelphia dialect. And then there are these different dialects in between, like Chris Christie's dialect, the Governor Christie's dialect is not north or south. It's this new central New Jersey dialect that's cropped up in the past 40 years. But the thing is that that this one person was so fascinated because as a state trooper, when he was a, a trooper, his his beat was the Pine Barrens. Which are unlike any which were I don't know what it is now I'm not going to go there to find out but sure. um, it was very different from every other part of the state when I was on um, paranormal state on A and E years ago we were traipsing through the Pine Barrens to find um, the Jersey Devil and um, the funny thing was how much the Pine Barrens had changed from when I was teaching at the college um, and then you you would like it would be like the hills have eyes you know. Right. And then there's also nonverbal language that I think they should be learning, too, because I think that I think some cops almost act. And again, I'm not anti-cop at all, but they almost act autistic in the way they don't seem to be able to interpret various forms that different people move their arms and legs differently under different circumstances. Yeah, but, but well, that's also, right. The blacks and, and whites are very encumbered in their body language in the way just in staring, just in staring. Um, what cops are used to among, let's say, um, a homogeneous community, a suburban community, is when you talk to somebody, they will look at you during the conversation. But in but some cultures, you don't do that. In some cultures, you don't do that. In some cultures, that's considered a threat. So if, a threat so or hostile. So you put your eyes down. Exactly. You look away. So when that happens with a cop, the cop suddenly gets suspicious that he's dealing with somebody who's feeling guilty when it really is a cultural thing. Right. So I, I, yeah, you know, but, but I, there's it, also been a huge hmm? amount of, of baggage and equipment the cops have to lug around. They might as well be RoboCop. They are so encumbered with cameras and uh, electronics. They're not casual. They're not, they're not ca- they can't sit down 
no. and have casual coffee, they have to take so much stuff off. They don't have Kevlar vests on, and they, they must be yeah. awful in the summer. They're, they're, you know, they're, they have so much stuff around their belt. They have a radio. Uh, around here, they have two and three radios. Right, and uh, it don't separates know. them. It separates them, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know how they run. But the uniforms are changing. They're getting darker. Uh, they're looking more like military uniforms. The, the vehicles are changing. Uh, right, they, right. Well, you, if you look at an old TV show like Andy Griffith or something, where he's playing a sheriff, or any show from the olden days, the cops were kind of casual. You know, even in, in uh, Fort, Fort Apache, the Bronx, you know, they're still, they weren't as militarized. That's community policing, and that's what the older cops are bemoaning, that we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. I that had, years ago, Eric, I worked for the Department of Justice um, with a group of former police, and our job, and this is talking about that divide, uh, what we were doing, we had a grant from the Bureau of Justice Administration to follow up back in the 70s and early 80s, the Department of Justice uh, and, and basically state law enforcement agencies were given millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to install com- computer equipment for database searches for yes. police. For data and mining, the, yeah. Right, for data mining. And the Bureau of Justice Administration wanted to find out how well local departments, not just the F- not really the FBI and not really some of the big city departments, but in some cases we, we studied Philly and the LAPD and LA Sheriff uh, on how agencies, police agencies were using their computer equipment specifically to, fo- to solve, to follow up on cold case sexual offenders. And the yes. reason they chose cold case sexual offenders is that sexual offenders don't just stop offending. No, they don't. Like serial killers, they will keep on offending. Whether It's a, comp- it's a compulsion. They, right. When it's you, it's I, an addiction. Yeah, and you've read about it. And, and when, you, when you talk to them, they'll say that, you know, I feel it coming on. I fight it. I don't want to do it. And then, I, and then I get to a tipping point, and I have to go rape someone. I have to go kill someone. Right, um, and I've spoken to people like that, like this guy Bobby Joe Long, who was the um, who was the classified ed rapist um, in Florida. He was executed finally, but um, I mean, this was because he became because he 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 migrated into serial homicide, and I did. I wrote the book Serial Killers and the Riverman and books like that about serial killers and. One of the things we found, so that was their rationale. We're tracking cold case killers and, and uh, cold case sexual offenders. And what we found was this, that among police departments, specifically we, one of the, we heavily studied was um, L.A.'s robbery homicide unit, which is the elite detective unit in the LAPD. And what we found out was that there was a very, almost like a bright, like a river, a bright line between the older cops who were very resistant to using computers and oh, the sure. younger detect and the younger detectives who not only were had grown up with computers but sure. they'd grown up with things like Atari and 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 Texas Instruments and Radio Shack and things like that and so not only were they used to doing 
to, to operating a computer, but they were used to playing video games, not the single shooter games now. This was this was 20 years ago, but they right. were used to playing interactive games on computers. And so their skills are really finely honed. And I yes. remember we were interviewing two officers. Uh, there was in one of the units in um, you saw all this computer equipment still in boxes stacked up against the wall. It was oh, yes. never opened up. This was hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, for IBMs stacked up against the wall. Nobody was using it. The younger guys, yeah, the younger guys were slowly unpacking it and installing it, and the older detectives were laughing at them. So we asked an older detective, so you've got to do a search among a community housing for a suspect that might be living there who's committed a bunch of sexual offenses. Uh, Don't you use a computer for this? Don't you want to? The the cop leans over out of an old, one of those old cell phone hosters that people used to wear, pulls out a cell phone and says, here's my computer. And he, right. And he dials the housing authority and he talked to them, and uh, we're sitting right there. Now he would use an iPhone to do the same thing that computer equipment against the wall would do. So right. the iPhone has basically brought computing back into some of the older folks. But that's the fascinating thing that we found, that this huge generational divide between police officers. And, and, and you wonder, is that part of what's going on between younger cops who interface through computers and older cops who interface through people? Well, I would think it certainly would be contributory. And and <clears throat> I think both are good. I mean, the, the older cops know how to talk to people calmly and get information that, you know, the, the younger cops that are, you know, they have these skills to get amazing information from a computer. And then sometimes the older cop just knows how to lean up against a car and talk kind of casually and pretty soon. He's getting information. There has to be a way to meld the two. Well, have you noticed that some of the larger um, municipal agencies are um, training special mental health units? The book I'm writing right now, which I have to stop because I've got to do another edit, is called Psychiatric Criminology. I'll send you a copy of it when it's done. Oh, it's please Psychiatric do. Criminology. It's yeah. at um, Taylor and Francis CRC and Psychology Press. Okay. And... and um, my writing partner in this is a forensic psychiatrist, John Liebert. And uh, uh, the point of this book is why we have lost the, the um, it's, called, it's called street psychology. Why we've yes. lost that, not only in policing, but in policing, in corrections. Partly it's the result of the mainstreaming in the 1980s, especially under Reagan. There is a whole uh, program to close down state mental hospitals because the thought was they were costing too much money. It was under the rubric of physical responsibility. But the very people who were in – right. But the very people who were in those hospitals became criminalized. Because they were the ones acting out on the street. So you simply shifted the cost from emergency preventive medicine, which the United States doesn't really have, emergency Mm -hmm. preventive medicine, to the criminal justice system and to the correctional system. Let me break in so we can take a quick break. And then Ah, we will be right back. Yes. Very short break. We blew right through. Very short break. Okay. So, so everybody, we'll, so be much right fun. Back yeah. after the, we'll be right back after these messages with our guest, Dark Williams, talking about the psychology of policing and criminal justice. Back in- 
Professional consultants behind your home or business computer with key information solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let key information solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call key information solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application, Mobile Talk Radio. Imagine having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. You'll be surprised how easy it is to use. So I think what's going on here is that Obama is banking on unemployment falling. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Talk Stream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. Are you tired of being lied to by the government when it comes to aircrafts that are flying over the skies? Let's explore the mysteries together. Tune in every Tuesday night at 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 1 a.m. Eastern. When Project Moondust was first exposed, the Air Force explanation to a United States Senator was that uh, we never had a project named Moondust. Behind the tree was this gigantic, huge glass dome. Skywatchers Radio. Hello, my name is Howard Hughes, and I'm in London, and I've been proud to bear this name all my life. Over here in the UK, I'm known as a broadcast journalist. I've been involved in some of the big stories of our time. The fall of the Berlin Wall. The death of Princess Diana. I told London about that. And on the first and second anniversaries of 9-11, I was there at Ground Zero, speaking to the people who were directly involved and those experiences I will never forget. So news is my thing. But my great love is my show, the one that I produce, The Unexplained. Over the years on this show, I've spoken to people like the late Al Bielik from the Philadelphia Experiment, Edgar Mitchell, the amazing Apollo astronaut, Dr. Stephen Greer, David Icke, and Uri Geller. People like Richard C. Hoagland have become personal friends over the years. I met him in London. So you can see that these sort of topics are what I like to discuss. Please join me on my show from London, The Unexplained, Monday nights on the Dark Matter Network. And we are back on Future Theatre Live on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio with our guest, Eric Williams. We're talking about PTSD. This is the last part of the segment, but I wanted Eric to talk about, I asked him to talk about dealing with students who have PTSD and what does he do? And I, and I have a lot of them and I, and I get more every year. Uh, certainly one of the <clears throat> nice things for, you know, the, the, the young guys to get discharged is they have good educational benefits. Um, and they can, you know, they can pretty much get a four year degree and some money to live off of, and, and they don't owe anybody when they get out. But I, I also have a lot of students, uh, coming back from multiple tours in Afghanistan, et cetera, uh, that have PTSD. 
and and it's it's getting so that I can almost identify them. Um, and, and how uh, how what do you see? Um, <clears throat> it's um, I guess the best way. Let 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 let, let me give you an example. Uh, about two semesters ago, had a class, small classroom. Really hate that classroom. Uh, and the uh, the thirtieth student walks in, and there is not a thirty first seat, and the seat is in the middle of the class. And this is a strapping, you know, to me, young man. He's probably about 28. And he, he looks like he's been in the Army. And he comes up and he whispers to me, this says, Professor, I can't sit in the middle. i got to sit in the back. And I said, do you have PTSD? And he says, yeah. And I said, okay, I understand. Because he can't have people behind him. Because people behind him are a danger. Wow. Now, wow. How, now, now you and I would, would rightfully see that as very irrational. You know what I mean? I mean, we're talking a classroom full of 17 and 18 year old kids and a few adults. It's not a dangerous place to be. But if he would have had to sit in the middle of the class, he would have just waited to another class because mm-hmm. wow. he, wow. he, his brain, especially the, the amygdala is a little tiny little piece of brain that mediates fear and memories of fear. And, uh-huh. and that thing has, you know, I think of as lighting up. It's just been lit up too many times. So he, over processes fear too many cues mean fear and people behind me are a danger enough that it scares him right um so they they have and boy i do not mean this in a denigrating way they often have a zombieish look about them now some of that's from the medication but some of that is because of what's going on in their heads they're well when when you say there's a whole bunch of conversation a whole bunch of signals going back and forth because PTSD is a result of, it's called a multiple hit theory on the amygdala. There is an initial shock and then multiple hits to that part of the brain, mm-hmm. which, which stores memory as well, um, generates this autonomic response that affects muscle control. It affects yes. how you process new information. It affects hearing. It affects vision. It, it, it affects your heartbeat, your blood pressure. And so they don't have control over that. So they've got to develop a set of wiring to mediate, the, to, to A, recognize, B, mediate, and C, um, uh, palliate those, those, right. those feelings. Now, the ones that, that had uh, closed head concussion injuries seem to be the worst. They seem mm-hmm. to have more, because what happens is that that blast causes your brain to squish on the opposite side of the head and get compressed, and then it comes back and you get you get a rebound effect. You mean um, from a sound wave or a shock wave of some kind? Uh, <laughs> just like just me? just an IED. Wow, you know that's I, terrible. Yeah. IEDs can do uh, a lot of damage uh, to a person's brain without a single cut. Nothing, no, you know. No bleeding no. or anything like well, it's, that. It's it's a concussive effect. That's really what yes. it is. Well, Eric, you so, said you said they might have a zombie effect uh, affect because of drugs. What some kind of, of might drugs? Be from the medications. And what kind of medications are common, uh, commonly prescribed? Antidepressants and uh, and mood stabilizers. Xanax. And Xanax is one. Class, Prozac is another. Yeah. There's a whole class of drugs called benzodiazepines. These are all of this is Xanax and Valium and Ativan and Clodipin. These are all the anti-anxiety drugs because anxiety is a big problem for them. And yeah, the SSRIs, then, yeah. Well, and, the, and, wow. and then the SSRIs are the antidepressants. 
Right. And they and they give them to them too. The thing is, is that these like the when when you take Xanax, when you take Valium, whatever, that works with a um, a neurotransmitter called GABA, and GABA is basically a brake pedal for your brain. When your brain senses <clears throat> that you're very anxious, it, it it produces this chemical. But you you can't just slow down the little piece that's making you anxious. You're not going to take a milligram of Xanax and run a mile as fast as you're going to if you don't. So th- they're they're working harder in class. You know they're they're and and they're they don't score as well as other students, even though they're clearly bright. Some of them are okay. clearly very bright. Um, they they can't they, they're they they show autistic like features. They don't seem to be able to filter out. So if they well. stop the medication, they then behave in a way that the anxiety just kind of it's freezes worse. them. Yeah, it's like a panic attack. It's, it's worse. I mean, yes. there are cases of student, because um, let's say student mass murderers, suicidal mass murderers. Yeah. Um, in this one case, this guy, Karam, um, I can't even pronounce his name, Steve um, Karamazic at Northern Illinois University, killed about 25 people was a mass shooting then he killed himself which is the pattern and one of the triggers for what he did what that he was in the he was psychotic ever since he was a child um a duration of untreated psychosis uh, like cho sung hui at virginia tech and he wanted to get into the navy so the naval recruiter said to him to stop taking his medication which was literally uh, diazepam and it's plain Valium. Yes. Plain Valium. And, um, the result was that his symptoms were worse because off, because initially he at least had a way to uh, be aware and moderate his own symptoms. Once he was on medication and became dependent on that medication, absent that medication, he had no mechanism for controlling his symptoms. No. And the noise level, I mean, that's the word when when I was counseling, I would sometimes get clients that, you know, I felt like I was looking, their head reminded me of a blender. They had a thousand thoughts going a thousand miles an hour. So I would send them to their doctor with a letter saying, you know, please evaluate this patient, you know, for an anxiolytic so that I can talk to them. <laughs> and then we would get them off of them later. And, and what was the medication that you just asked for? And I would uh, always leave it up to the doctor, but uh, I actually think that... Um, that uh, Valium is still one of the best anxiolytics out there. But these days, they like to give mm-hmm. Clonopin. Xanax yes. uh, is a very short duration. It does, prov- it does produce some euphoria. So you have, you know, the street value of Xanax is pretty high. The street value of, of Valium is almost nothing. Uh, because, I mean, people get high on Xanax. They, they do. It's hard to get high on Valium. Valium is also a safe drug. I mean, you it's would been get around tired. for like 30 years. First oh, of all, yeah, the LD50 or the lethal dose for 50 percent of the population is so high. You would get tired of eating them before you would die from mm-hmm. them. Uh, so they're 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 heavily medicated now. So so we have the the anti-anxiety medicines that they're taking. We have the benzodiazepines they're taking. And then we have another class that's really kind of heavy duty. And these are the salts like 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 lithium. Uh, well, for mood for mood stabilizers. Well, for and, and what does and what does lithium do? Ah, that's a great question. What does it do? I have okay. my theory. You have yours. If you thought of your mood as a sine wave, you know, going up and down, right? It clips off. It clips off the the, the tops and the and the bottoms. 
you still get depressed mood, you still get a little anxious, but you don't get to clinical levels of depression and you don't get to hypermania. So that's it, why, it, it yeah, that's expresses why it's your mood. Yeah, it, it's prescribed for bipolar disorder. I mean, oh, yeah, especially for bipolar disorder. For, for bipolar. And that's the drug that comedian Robin Williams was on. And that's the drug that Mickey Rooney was on. And you could take lithium on a long-term basis as long as you are carefully medically supervised. The problem with uh, in uh, Robin Williams' case is because it reduces the mania, even though it reduces the depression, it reduces right. the mania. If you're stiff, creative, if creative. you're if you're uh, a, a comedic kung fu, right, is mania, which is what Robin Williams is. Yeah. If you ever right. watch his act, he's going crazier and crazier. You're on right. You're on the floor laughing, but he's more and more manic, and that's part of the comedy. So he stops taking lithium because he wants to. He he doesn't want to lose his comedy, his shtick. Right. And that's one of the reasons he commits suicide. And he was unusual. Uh, bipolar is bipolar one and two. And there's no, we don't need to go into those. But, uh, you know, people generally have a lot of depressive cycles and then not too many manic cycles because they use a lot of energy. Mm -hmm. uh, and then some people, what we call rapid cyclers, they go between uh, mania and uh, but anyway, Robin Williams somehow could just be hypermanic for periods of time that, that would just kill anybody else. I, I don't I don't know how his nervous system kept up. Well, wasn't that cocaine basically doing that? He always uh, joked about cocaine, it. It's a hell of a drug, Nancy. Cocaine is a, is is a stimulant, uh, mm -hmm. and it's and it's also disinhibiting. He looks so you say things, yeah. <laughs> so you you do it's. Well, you, I mean, alcohol is this is disinhibiting. It makes you do and say things that you might not normally do because you're. But it's not a it, stimulant. It, it's a depressive. What's what's that? Alcohol. Okay. Right, but it's but 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 emotionally it's disinhibiting. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, and then um, so cocaine is a stimulant, uh, and it's also disinhibiting. So, and I, I don't know a lot about him, but my understanding was that, was that he, he did use a lot of drugs. He did, I doubt he was, I doubt that he was being prescribed all by the same doctor because who would do that? Well, and, he used to always mm, say that, that uh, cocaine is, is God's way of telling you you're too rich. Well, so, that's because you, true, yeah. yeah. And, and you really should, and when you're taking the uh, mood stabilizers like lithium, you really should have liver function studies done uh, every month because some people don't tolerate it well. And you don't want to find that out, you know, when you need a liver transplant. You want to see that. Well, it's a shame that yoga has never been um, really studied extensively in the West um, because yoga teaches you to steal your own mind. Not steal, but to steal your own people, mind. You can... People. What we in the eighties in psychology we used to call magic bullet cures. Uh-huh. But it really I, but it's shockingly it works. The mantra works. system takes, does work. But it takes but it, but it takes longer. Right. Valium if you just chew it up and put it on your tongue works in ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's but, not but, as but good as side, but, this, but the but side I, effects. Yeah, yoga, side effects and yeah. better. It just takes longer, and people don't have patience. And well, technology. We have, uh, we, yeah, we only have two minutes. I have to kind of oh, okay. break in and say. Um, so please tell folks how they can find you in the near future. Okay. You're going to have well, a show. 
it, it's it's on another network, but it does not compete with your time slot, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. And I listened to you guys on Brady Paper. Unfortunately, repeated, which is great. Uh, it, it's just it's, the show is going to be called Psychology's Outer Limits, which is kind of the stuff we talked about today. And it'll be, I think it's, it'll be on, it's starting in June. It'll be on Sunday nights from 7.30 to 9, I believe. And you'll be taking and phone calls, correct? Yes, I do hope I get phone calls, yeah. Uh, and uh, and we'll have a little chat room set up. And um, I, I I think, should I just not say the name of the network? Oh, I mean, no, I have, it's, we're all, it's we're our, all friends. our friends, yes. It's, it's IRN. Aren't you on there too? Show broadcast no. on IRN? No, not anymore. No, years no, ago, they've, we they've, were. long time ago, in the galaxy far, far away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I will tell you that the three guys that I talked to there, uh, Bob and MJ, MJ, and the other, MJ, right, and Joe. I told and them Joe. that I, I told them that I was going to be a guest on your show. Um, they, they, they all wanted me to make sure that I said hi. Uh, That's nice. Okay, well, we're all friends. This. We're all friends. Yeah. Hi, Bob. Um, yeah, that was hi, that Bob. was. That was very clear, yeah. Yeah. So. And we are out of time. So I want to thank you, Eric, for joining us, our guest. Uh, thank good you for luck on your show. Yeah, and yeah, thank you for making the schedule change. Good luck on your show. Folks should listen to Eric's show on IRN. It's going to start in June. And we hope you get a lot of callers and you become the Fraser of the internet radio. I would love that. It would not be great. <laughs> And so for everybody out there, our guest next Bella week. Bella Haven. I, Let's say Bella Haven. Yeah, Bella right. Haven. That's a show Bella that Haven. Nancy yeah. will be hosting probably starting it's sooner than out. July. Right? With Lasha. With Lasha. With, uh, with Lasha. And our guest next week is Steve Warner Bateman. Uh, he'll be here next week. And folks, have a one. This is the beginning of like the pre-summer summer. So have a wonderful. Oh, love it. Have a wonderful week. We are Bill and Nancy. Love the weather. Yes, see you Burns, next week. Broadcasting yes. live from the banks of beautiful Primrose Creek in downtown Solberry Village, Pennsylvania, on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. Hi to all our friends. Have a wonderful week, and we'll see you next week.